Welcome back to New York City. Nate Freeman, fresh back from the city where dreams are made, the city of angels, where you were in attendance of probably the coolest party in the world. I can say, and this is biased, but also unbiased, the Vanity Fair Oscar party is the best party of the year anywhere in the world. It's incredible. I... I, I'm still processing, honestly. Just because they pay you to say it doesn't mean it's not true. I mean, you can probably ascertain that from reading my quite good report that I was doing in real time from the party. I didn't uh, know that it was night. in real time. It, it was it was insane. It was like I would, updating live on the blog. Mm-hmm, I would be in the party and I would just like scan. I was really just observing. I wasn't really talking to anyone unless like I was like introduced to someone. Um, but there was a lot to see. So all of a sudden, you know, it's like. You know, Bezos and fucking Ari Emanuel, like, just like, like, you know, interacting with the entire spectrum of movie stardom in the world. It Your was- friend Ari, I think, I think you, you capture him in words in a bro hug with uh, Diplo With uh, West himself. himself, yes. Art collector and lovable guy Who's also Diplo. a buddy of yours, as, as I recall. Yeah, Dip and I go back. Yeah. Not as close as you and Ari are, obviously, right. but you know, who I've got is? I've got his digits. We text sometimes. Amazing, amazing. Yeah. You know, just wait to find out where the after party's at. Yeah, totally. Oh, I mean, he actually wants advice on on painters. Really, he's at a fair. He's like, "What do you think of this?" Well, you know my number, and you know, you can do it a three way. <laughs> That's how I make my bro. You, you trying to keep food okay. out of my kids' okay. mouths? I'll I'll loop Diplo in on the text. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You happy? Come on. You happy? I, I just wa- I just want to help the world. Frankly, okay. well, I don't want to make a mistake. I don't want to you know buy a bunch of Dan Warsham. <laughs> <laughs> he probably has a fucking data. You know he does. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Dip was in the cut. Uh, you know, every movie every, service, every it, star it, in the it world. Just, I can't even like start naming. If you ask me specific questions, I can answer them, but I can't really just you know wrap my head around what just happened. Um, I, I mean, I feel like in a lot of ways, your entire life, professionally and in a way personally, all led up to you being at this event. No. I've- <laughs> I wouldn't put it that way, you know. Uh, I think my wedding and the birth of my child were more. Yeah, but this important. is easily a number three. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, and you're saying this on the pod on recording, but you know, let's see. I didn't say it. You did. Uh, um, yeah, you. Thankfully, you were at the party because you, you guys like broadcast the show and have a dinner during mm-hmm. the actual Oscar right. award so event. Radika Jones, the editor in chief. Shout out, Radika. I know you're listening. Um, she hosted dinner before with like VVIPs. We're talking like fucking. I don't know. John Legend and Chrissy Teigen dropping yeah, the I Uno mention, cards. I mentioned it in in, in the piece. Who yeah, was read, there. read the piece for the details. I just want the broad strokes. Here. Um, and so everyone's watching the, the the ceremony. You know, you're you know you're also you're having some delicious food. I think it was uh, the Mother Wolf Wolf Chef Evan Funke. I think I'm pronouncing his name right. Mother Wolf was like the hottest restaurant in L.A. He's the new John Vinny. Yeah. So he he did all the food. He was. Also uh, in attendance, super fun guy, it seems like. Um, so, yeah, so delicious dinner. And then around 8.30, you know, people start coming who weren't at the ceremony because when you're at the ceremony, you have to go to the governor's ball afterward. And then the winners and nominees generally arrive around 11, 11.30. Um, so I was just taking in different stages of the party then going back and filing. Um, and it was <laughs> it was quite a night. I mean, I can't imagine having to sit through that terrible fucking ceremony. Um, it is really, honestly, some of the most boring and turgid television you can imagine. Other than some of the acceptance speeches, like all these terrible introductions of the awards and the nominees. Like whoever writes this, it's about stop. the power of cinema. Yeah, it's like all the and these terrible hackneyed joke lines. Like, yeah, 
I mean, like Kimmel, he's he's trying his best. I'm not even talking about Kimmel. Like I didn't like whatever he's doing. Like you know the shtick. That's fine, right? Uh, but like no, when they brought out like you know last year's award nominees to introduce you know the best supporting actor, and it's just like these terrible jokes, and it's like The Rock, and it's like why, why, bro? I mean, yeah, they always bring back the past winners to present. That's the fine, awards. but the writing, the, and then you can see these people's eyes scanning these terrible teleprompters for these like hackneyed jokes and like trying to pause <laughs> in the right place. Um, They're probably really scared, man. I mean, like, like they know the whole world is watching. Also, it's, like, the, intimidating. The, the ladies look so fucking good. These amazing gowns on most of them, and then the men, like, <laughs> stop trying, just stop trying. <laughs> yeah, I I was outfitted by my friend Emily Bodie in a really great tasteful classic you, Bodhi tuxedo you looked great it wasn't as classic as i would like but you pulled it off the and frost I think, tie was cool man I, I, I think you should get down with it i'm down no, with dinnerware it. is a is a you know is a black tie uh literally tied mm-hmm. uh unless you're from the western united states and then a bolo maybe is appropriate right right but yeah if you're a dude and you're second guessing it just go with the classic tusk go with the tom ford yeah like, listen, there, are like... other, there are other podcasts that i'm sure have covered this <laughs> in, at infinitum i don't even know the names of these yeah, fucking we, actors but we don't need to go but just this. wear a black tux bro <laughs> yeah totally but yeah i mean what a night uh, you know what a time in los angeles did people rage at the do people like drink and get a little loose at the vanity fair party Without... it's more like a professional work event I, it's obviously a networking event. You know, you're seeing people that you haven't seen all year because it's just impossible to get a room like this anywhere in the world. So yeah, there's obviously networking around, but you know, these people they've been spending hours getting dressed. They were at the ceremony for for a long time. They're ready to have a drink or two, and it's a party. You know, you're supposed to. No one's like you know drink shaming you if you're you know having a few tequilas. And the, the 1942 is flowing, Ben. Uh, I'm sure that. Uh current Vogue cover lady was not having any drinks. Uh, she was there and she was not. Yeah, she was abstaining, which is great. Good did she look? We, uh, I mean, you know, she is a supermodel. I'll, I'll, I'll put it like that, you know. But yeah, uh, we're here for for Kara on her her sober journey. Hundred percent, always for mm-hmm. all of us. Yeah. Uh, and uh, were you able? Were you allowed to drink, or were you sober this event? I I was not really drinking. I mean, I would have like a drink as like a prop kind of. Um, but like I can't really drink and write. It's it just wasn't like, the name like, you know and love. Well, I mean, I was on, I was on the job. You know, like uh, I I had to go back and, and what put time, the words. What time did you leave the Vanity Fair party event? Good question. I left around two thirty, but then I actually wrote a little bit more when I got back to my hotel. So there's no after party for Nate Freeman. No, no, you no, weren't no. in a bungalow at Chateau. No, 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 no. I, I had to make sure the story was up. Uh, a little dis. I understand, and it shows. It shows that you're a true professional and that mm-hmm. you've matured. Also, I gotta say, I'm a little bit disappointed. <laughs> well, one, I have to have loyalty to my own party. I'm not just gonna split for something else. Um, but I, honestly, like you know, there were parties all over town. Did you get any buzz on what the hot after parties were? I mean, Madonna always has this party uh, at Guy Seri's house, her manager's house. Jay Z and Beyonce do a party at the Chateau. I'm sure they were both fine. You, you know, were, you know, you weren't in town in time for Larry's annual fat. No, but Fisher I hear opening Larry the... wasn't in town either. Well, he's not traveling much these days. It is advanced age. It's Sorry, tough. we love you, Larry. That was no shame. And Larry very much was at the dinner for uh, an exhibition that opened in New York last week. With the combo Albert mm-hmm. Ullin and Paul yeah. McCarthy show? Albert Ullin and Paul McCarthy. There was a fun dinner in Indochine. Uh, really fun dinner. A lot of speeches, a lot of toasts. A lot of delicious, I think, delicious Well, those food. are fun guys, man. Yeah, they're really fun guys, you know? Um, uh, but yes, I was not in town for Urz's opening. I did go by the show. I kind of liked the show more than I thought I would. Really? Yeah. Yeah, no comment. <laughs> um, we'll leave it there. I'm a big fan of Urz. I think he's one of the great artists of our age. But I prefer I this I only saw sh- a PDF. I didn't see I it I prefer in the show in Los Angeles to the 
crazy show he had in New York. Last oh, I love those. The NFTs actually liked those. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I thought that was Urz kind of at what Urz is best, kind of taking the piss and like really going for it. Well, disagreement is, is good for the pod. You know? Yeah, sure. I mean, if you're into printed out screensavers, all the best. I don't know. It was, it was kind of cool. Okay. I didn't see it. Um, you didn't get to do anything else in LA. Um, you went, the like, Albert Owen show was good in New York. Oh, so sick. They say it was a combo show, but I don't understand where the I think dialogue. it's just two old heads. They're fucking, you know, two of the greatest artists alive. They're buddies, of course. They want to do a show together. Yeah, Larry I'm, gave them space. I'm not going to get totally into it, but there's an incredible sculpture by Albert uh, that I, for me is like brings all the pictures together and really solidifies it. Um Anyway, so that was what was going on a little bit in L.A. and sort of in New York. What else happened in New York? What else is happening in oh, New there York? Was, oh, well, we had the culmination uh, uh, of, uh, of a lot of build-up to Adam Lindemann's sale. That's right, yeah. Shout out friend of the pod, Adam Lindemann. I, yeah, I hope you're enjoying your, your, your tag, harvested tax losses because uh, mm-hmm. basically everything he sold, he sold at a loss in that sale. I don't think it matters to him. He got like a ton of PR. He loved it. And honestly, I'm sure in his financial position, he's very happy to have some some losses to write totally. down against capital gains. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we talked about this on the last pod, but I had a great time interviewing him at Christie's. It was a great turnout. Uh, we had a fun dinner at Ignacio Matos's. Shout out Ignacio. We, we don't give Ignacio enough, some, yeah. Yeah, enough shine on this podcast. We just really never talk about his restaurants. We had a nice uh, dinner at Lodi, uh, which is, you know, really just delightful what a what a place what a place no it's a weird room it's the best food in rockefeller center way better than la rock in my opinion but i wish they could switch the restaurant locations put la rock in that tiny little corner weird coffee shop and put uh ignacio's restaurant in la rock. i think that ignacio's expanding to the space next door yeah he definitely is but and so it'll be a different kind of situation okay i would like a more formal situation because mm-hmm. i think it's some of the best food uh, it, of all of his restaurants spectacular um i dream of the fitello donato uh yeah, we got we have an art fair coming up in Hong Kong. Neither of Damn, us are able to do. attend or attending. I yeah, I I can't travel halfway around the world right now, but I wish I could. Wouldn't it, it be nice to have a little tipple of the captain's bar? Yeah, hundred percent. I would love to have a gunner, which is uh, their wonderful restorative cocktail of like ginger ale and grenadine mm-hmm. and God knows what else, lime mm-hmm. juice, uh, in one of those pewter cups, uh, much like the one that's sitting on my desk here. That you definitely took with permission. Yeah, the, definitely. The bartender was like, "Yes, sir, you may have that." Um, listen, there's no rules in Hong Kong. Maybe now there are, but there weren't any rules in Hong Kong, as you well know, Nate Freeman. Um, I is this is like really the first. Art Basel Hong Kong to take place in three years. I know they've done yeah. iterations in different Four formats. Years. Four years. Yeah. I know they've done iterations in different formats, but this really feels like it's back uh, in terms of the quality of work that they're bringing. Again, they're doing the thing where most of it's for Asian collectors at mm-hmm. Asian Pacific. So if you're Australian, you're, you're in luck. Uh, collectors. Um, for the first time in a while, you're in luck. <laughs> yeah, for Australia. the first time ever. <laughs> you still have to be Australian, but you know, you have access to all sorts of stuff you wouldn't otherwise. Um, but uh, it, it, the PDFs are looking pretty smashing. Um, yeah, what are you seeing in, in the old PDFs? Listen, I don't want to get into my workflow process. You, oh, you, pay don't, you a, don't want get, to give away the state secrets? You got to pay a retainer for that. What I did see is in the David Zwerner PDF that just dropped mere moments ago a really interesting painting Ooh, by flex a, bomb by a young painter by the name of elizabeth payton uh it's a monoprint and it's of a very specific character it's uh, giving trolling it's giving trolling vibes not sure yeah. if she intended that but it's a painting of lucas verner who uh wow we've been told has a close relationship with elizabeth people have conjectured and i think have uh wrongly come to the conclusion that it's a, somehow a romantic mm-hmm. relationship 
Elizabeth has a long history of of making portraits of her art dealers. I know Gavin was was a frequent uh, muse to her, I believe, and that's friend of the pod, Gavin Brown. If you didn't get that, hey Gavin, what's up, dude? What's up? Um, and I I think this is a great picture. You know, I think that it'll be really interesting to see who they sell it to. It's hilarious. Uh, I don't think it's a great picture. I'm a big fan of Elizabeth's. I don't love this painting, but I think it's super funny. Whether she intended it or not, it is a massive troll. Yeah. <laughs> What else is in the previous? Anything uh, fun? I don't know. I mean, I uh, it's not in the fair, but a uh, friend of the pod, Rashid Johnson, has a show opening at the House of Inverth in Hong Kong. In the it's not in the Petter Building. It's in that other big building. I forget what it's called. It's yeah, the newer building where a lot of galleries are. Yes, um, Swerner is there as well. Yeah, it's and like Pace. A, it's like a weird situation where mm-hmm. you're all in the same building. Yeah, um, but it's fine. It's a vertical city. I'm having a little promo. I w- I wish I had a business reason to attend. I'm I just thinking back to the days when uh, the one edition that we both attended, where we you know went to that wonderful lunch that Simon Lee used to host. I hope that Simon's still doing that. The goose lunch. lunch. Yeah, the goose duck, lunch. Duck goose, baby. Duck duck goose, indeed. Roasted to perfection, along with some some pigs, I believe. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's still. I, at least I haven't gotten the invite to that event dropped in my inbox as of yet. And I think the the young woman who spearheaded that event every year, who used to work for Simon, mm-hmm. I don't. I'm not sure if she still works there. I'm not saying she doesn't, but I, I'm not sure. I don't know, but I I hope that there's some kind of a a big fun, somewhat boozy lunch that people go to in the day before the fair because that was a great tradition. That was, was a great tradition. Um. A little bit bummed not be there, but although it seems like more U.S. based collectors and some advisors are attending than in years past. I think they're exciting that that Asia's opening. A lot of people jumped over to Japan uh, to celebrate their reopening and to check out the cherry blossoms. It mm-hmm. seems like uh, Australia again, and I think uh, I think you'll see more American faces there than in a number of years. Is my gut feeling? I'm hoping to go in 2024. Uh, I've always had a great time in Hong Kong, and let's you know. try and make that happen. Let's try. I think we let's try. I, I mean, you know, who knows? Um, other big news dropping. Uh, your former colleague Kenny Schachter has his second column in like a number of weeks. Flex bomb again on the art net. Kenny is on fuego these days. He was, and this is like, listen, you know, I know Kenny is a huge fan of the pod, and he's a close personal friend of both you and mine. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was excited to see him really at the top of his game here, dropping a number of nuggets. Um. The most bombastic of which, or... and, and we don't know where this came from. Yeah, listen, I don't he, know so the veracity he, he has of it. He inserted a screenshot. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we're living in an age of deep fakes and Photoshop and yada yada. This could be some chat GPS nonsense. Who knows? But he has a text conversation with ICA associate director and chief curator Alex Gartenfeld. Now, mm-hmm. the ICA in Miami obviously has gotten a lot of. Um, Fair and unfair uh, blowback for being the home of first resort for BOGO, for buy one, get one. As as former guest and great friend of the pod, Ralph DeLuca, has so eloquently... Yeah, uh, go back and listen to that one. It's one of our most listened to down. recent episodes, actually. Um, and so they were taking everything, and they kind of needed to because it's a brand new museum, and they've grown their collection by leaps and bounds in a very short amount of time by leveraging this BOGO. And there's always been talk that Alex is is somewhat um, advisor-like in how he works with trustees and supporters that institution. This this text conversation has him acting more like a secondary market dealer. What was he saying here, Nate? Well, he's saying that he has a a friend who is selling three paintings by Lucy Bull and a painting by Flora Yuknowich, two artists very much in demand, uh, and possibly even more in demand when these DMs are being sent in mm-hmm. May and June of last year. Uh, and the... Response from the person is, yeah, uh, I would love to. Yeah, let's let's do yeah. some let's do some business. And it didn't seem like he, this person he's responding to, at least in the small tidbit of conversation we've seen, 
is surprised to be getting this kind of offer from Alex. That's an interesting point. There is no message being like, ah, nothing. When it's you just do it like, twice, you get some more insight. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> um, yeah. So again, we don't know the ramification, but it seems as though this other person he is uh, in conversation with, Alex is in conversation with the counterparty, if you will, um, is some sort of art dealer or collector. Um, we can only knows? speculate as, you know, speculators do. But <laughs> Oh, um, and there's some other other little nuggets in here in this, uh, including uh, outing uh, supposedly who is a major consigner to the Phillips mid-season sale, a prominent art dealer that may or may not have already been mentioned on this podcast. Uh, as you have w- to read to find out. We're not going to tell you. Yeah, no, go you check out Log Kenny. into your art I only, account. I only, actually, it's actually, not even behind the paywall. It's not behind the paywall. Anyone yeah. can read this. Uh, and uh, and then he reports live from the opening of Beeple's Museum Foundation. I don't know what it is. I don't want to touch that shit. I was very, very pleased to be at the Academy Awards rather than at Beeple Fest. Yeah, although, you know, I think we were both invited to Beeple Fest. And after seeing in Kenny's reporting who was down there, to realize how easily I could have maybe begged a ride oh, from someone. Oh, come on. You can't turn down a ride. <laughs> I Unbelievable. It doesn't matter where you're going. <laughs> I, I don't care about car racing. Going to the Indy 500, let's fucking go. <laughs> That sounds fun. Yeah, I guess you know I could have picked a worse, <laughs> a worse, uh, you know, uh, college football like tertiary bowl game. Mm-hmm. I'll and, be there. You know, Mike Wiggum, a nice guy, like hanging out with him. I, I just couldn't go to Charleston for for the unveiling of his. We could have eaten well game. in Charleston. That's a good point. Uh, Charleston does have some yummy, yummy vittles. I do. I mean. I love South Carolina, as you know. Speaking of other things I'm not going to do, but somehow are in the art world, you've been watching this new reality TV show that oh, I think it's on MTV I, I, or E. I, I don't have time for television. I've got work and a baby, but but have you been watching No, it? television's for fucking losers. I read. Ugh, well, I wish all the candidates best of luck. Good luck to you. I think Whoever some... wins this thing is really going to have a, a career in the art world. I think there's some other cursed uh, art world podcast that's been uh, that's been doing a TikTok. I don't know anything week. about that. Yeah, neither do I. But yeah. I get the Instagram. Um, that's it from us. All rulings. I will say in general, just just be aware, folks. Batten down the hatches. Things are a little softer out there than they have been. Yeah, there there are actual bank runs going on. Which yeah, is, people are lining up to get their cash out of banks. Uh, luckily, that's not a great sign. Luckily, there, for the picture by there is no there is no more moral hazard, so it doesn't matter. Daddy, government's going to take care of you no matter what. <laughs> Thank you, Zaddy. <laughs> Thank you, Zaddy. Um, but yeah, the bank runs. So things are people are not real uh, are a little bit reticent to say yes, shall I say? Yeah, the, the the text response aren't coming in at a high pace clip. No, the the phone calls are not getting immediately returned. My phone is not uh, lighting up, and that's good because that means we get to record this podcast twice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is this is take two. Sorry, Nate. I promise I'm recording right now. I'm, I've checked it multiple times. They don't need to know what goes on behind the curtain. Listen, you think you think this is all fun and games? We do we give this to you yeah, for free every week. Is hard. This is work. It's man. hard. This is what people are bitching me. Oh, you guys aren't doing enough episodes. Can you come sit in my shoes, man? Yeah, exactly. Come do our jobs for come us. Just, just 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 fucking try. I had to teach myself how to use all this technology. Um, in happier news, we've been eating pretty well. <laughs> we had an incredible dinner. I can't believe this is last week, but it was last week. <laughs> like a million years yeah. ago uh, at Che Lee a wonderful uh, Hunan place on St. Mark's place we were joined by uh, you know two two a professional podcaster Andrew Quo mm-hmm. and yeah, who has a real podcast yeah like he um, makes money from that shit yeah and uh, an apparel line I think <laughs> <laughs> and and Joe Cole of, of the great Broadway gallery on Broadway. But he's really a multi-hyphenate. That's own, right? true. That's true. Um, yeah, the four of us have had pretty epic meals before. We continue that tradition at Che Lee. My God, what a place. This is a destination restaurant. It's yeah, so up, good. Up on St. Mark's Place, um, 
uh, Hunanese cuisine, as I think mm-hmm. it is. I believe uh, so. We, we could be well. messing that up, but you love the fish head. It I love the fish. It was head. a little was, too intense for Daddy here. It was here. fucking crazy. And like uh, Quo, like put it on Instagram and uh, Twitter, and like a lot of people were like, "That fish head is crazy." I think Marty Eisenberg was like, "What's this fish <laughs> yeah, head?" Marty was not prepared for that when he opened up Instagram that morning. Uh, we <laughs> and, also had and, this and Super Chunk frontman uh, Mac McCoven also. That was amazing. That was <laughs> also was like, "What the fuck is that fish head?" We'll invite him one next my, time. One right? of my dirt heroes was just freaking out about this meal so that made me feel real good real um, good we also had an incredible crab dish we gotta have crab if it's on the menu. Crab, yeah, yeah. it was like in an egg custard sauce like it was like all fluffy unbelievable like that was like i think my top but the uh the the beef dish was mm-hmm. also incredible just fire uh and the zhaolong bao uh xlbs were some were of, some of the best uh, uh bows that i've had anywhere in, in town they like were respectable. Chang- gave, give joe shanghai a run for its money I they think. were respectable. Um, yeah, what yeah, a place. We, we, there's, other, there's other big food news coming out. Just a couple blocks north of here, Wiley Dufresne, the great fucking mm-hmm. former chef of WD-50, is opening a pizza parlor. Yeah, you're so fucked, dude. I, I'm going to have to start doing double berries. Double, yeah, triple berries. Like, I can't you, do that. You're going to just be shoveling this stuff down your, your pie age. hole. Uh, well, luckily, they're not. it doesn't look as of yet, based on the website. They're going to start just with dinner service. I'm not here during dark hours so much. So, so. you have a temporary reprieve. That'll be a saving grace. They're going to open lunch, man. It, Listen, I'm already for the first five days that supposedly it's opening. Do I have uh, resi notifications mm-hmm. for all five days? Yes, I do. So you do capo two days a week lunch and three days a week down here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> In my fucking fantasy life, sure. <laughs> no, I have fucking shakes after Barry's. I intermittent fast for twenty hours a day. <laughs> um, but that's going to be exciting. You know, w, you know, WD was like a time when Clinton Street and Lower East Side. But I mean, th- what that, a time! There was actually a few years before my time. Really. Yeah, I mean, that neighborhood was. Let's be honest, it was already turned a little bit to the dark edge. Yeah, but you had like a lesser culinary, but more of a social destination. You had Chillers, like uh, around I mean, the corner. I, I ate the fuck at Chillers all the time. Love Chillers. Uh, d- but d- you had WD fifty, aka um, that wonderful dive bar that then became Donnybrook. The Curse Donnie Brook. Curse Donnie Brook. Um, a restaurant that I've never eaten at, but was there was Clinton Street Baking Company. Fuck Clinton Street Baking Company. Absolutely cursed location. That's like, like a fucking Disneyland brunch place. Like, yeah. Like, like, it could just fall off the fucking island as far as I'm concerned. If there were TikTok in the day of back then, like, that would have been featured very heavily and very oh, annoying. absolutely. There would be so TikToks. many TikToks of the fucking pancakes or whatever the fuck they serve there. I don't know. I've never been. I'm, yeah, certainly. I, I, I don't stand I in line for anything. Yeah. Um, and there were a couple other great restaurants, but Wiley was at the top. It was actually the first restaurant uh, I went back to after uh, Sandy. Oh, wow. I went to Mulatto's. Uh, also a strong and with respectable With friend of the choice. pod, Michael Miller. That was, that was great. Uh, in more innocent time, oh, yeah, Ooh. for all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but that was a spot. But also downtown, uh, I noticed on former chef and current celebrity Danny Bowden's Instagram, he was invited and attended a real formal-looking friends and family at Superiority Burger in the former Odessa space. Wow! So that's gearing up to it's reopen. Getting, I mean, they've been teasing it on the Instagram for it feels like a year now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure what the holdup is. I mean, this is going to have one of the biggest menus of any restaurant in town. I mean, like the number of, of dishes that they've featured on their Instagram is yeah, hundreds. Yeah, I'm not sure how it works as, a, as an ongoing business concern. No, no so I would say get there in the first couple months. <laughs> no, I'm sure Brooks has a sound you know, group of investors, and I know a uh, great friend of the pod, Ash, is working on it as well. Um, so I don't know where our invites I, I need probably to, in our spam folder. I think I need to adjust the filters. Yeah, yeah, my yeah Gmail, something's I, going obviously on. Obviously, we've been invited to a number, of, things, a number of, of these friends and family uh, dinners at Superiority Burger on Avenue A. Come on, boys. Bang our line. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, we've mentioned it before. We're we very have, excited. We have tens we're, we're of listeners excited. that would be very, 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 very keen to, to learn yeah, more. Yeah, bro, it up. Um, what else? Is there anything? Uh, I mean, there's there's a decent amount going on here in New York City on Thursday. There was the first show of work by Gerhard Richter at the David's Werner Gallery. Oh, that's a big deal. That's on Thursday, uh, tomorrow. Um, very excited to check that out. Maybe today, depending on my editing schedule. Yeah, it's probably uh, installed by now. Um, a lot going on in front of the pod. Coolapot, the Ostracide, is doing, uh, having a lecture at Christie's, which I'm going to go to. Um, support. Also Thursday? Or? No, t- that's tonight. Tonight. Coolapot. Oh. Yeah. What? Yeah. Oh. Sorry, dude. But you know, and then you know, next week back at it. You know, New York is back. I think I'm I'm sticking here in town until we go to Chicago. So that's like a month from now. I don't want to jinx myself. I do not have any current plane reservations until Chicago. Yeah, that me too. Which sounds great. What's this restaurant we're we're going to in Chicago? Um, I booked us at uh the chef behind. I should have looked this up. I'm just like totally blanking. Sorry, Chicago is not in the mind right now. I put you on the, the spot. Daniel Rose is the yeah, yeah, chef. Yeah. Uh, he has. A great restaurant here in A.B. Rosen's building on A.B. Uh, Rosen's hotel on Howard Street, which is called... The Blonde? The Blonde is the name of the hotel. and That's the name of the nightclub. <laughs> Whatever. It doesn't matter. You're not <laughs> but we deep. went to his restaurant in Paris, if you recall, years ago, and we had some some delicious steaks. Le, Le Bourse de la Vie, I think it's called. Oh, yes, we did. Yeah, that's, that's a Daniel Rose restaurant. Great steak. Yeah. And he is actually from Chicago, even though he lived in Paris for decades. So, Chicago. So he uh, is partnered with a local restaurant group to open his first Chicago restaurant. And it's apparently quite good. It's, it's going to be very, very good. All right. Something to look forward to. That's it. I got to go. I got therapy. We have a guest on. Oh, we do? Yeah. Coming up right after this, we have Sarah Douglas, executive editor of Art News and some other titles under the Penske Media My umbrella. My former editor, both at the New York Observer and then at Art News. Kind of your first adult boss, mm-hmm. right? Totally. Yeah. And uh, just a great friend and a true uh, font of knowledge about everything in the art world and art a, media. We had a great talk about w- what's happening with art media now and her personal journey. Uh, I think you'll definitely want to stay tuned for that coming up. Right. You know who I saw in Los Angeles was her boss. Jay. Jay Penske. Yeah, he was at the Chanel dinner. That guy, I mean, you know, he's been quite quiet. He didn't talk for this New York Times profile. So it was kind of uh, amazing to see Sarah's boss out there. Well, why, why do you buy all those shitty trade rags if it isn't to get invited to all the dinners? I guess so. You know, he owns the Hollywood Reporter and Variety in addition to Rolling Stone, Art News, Art Stuff, Art and, America, and now Art Forum. You know, and like, you know, Plumbers, plumbers of America mm-hmm. Journal. But I digress. On to Sarah. Right after this. Welcome back to Nota Bene. And welcome, Sarah Douglas. Thanks. You're just waxing poetic about my office Yes, here. I'm looking around your office, and I was observing your proximity to the doomsday clock, but I can tell you something else that's so interesting to me about being here is it really takes me back. It takes me back. I used to work. So I used to, my office, when I first started working for the art newspaper in 2000, was on it was either t- it was on 11th and Broadway, corner of 11th and Broadway, and it was actually a building that Duchamp had a studio in once. And we found this out. I took over the job from this woman Ingrid London, who ended up moving to London uh-huh. and marrying this guy that she met at the art newspaper. It wasn't like a bad work relationship. He wasn't her boss. It was there was nothing wrong with it. And it was two thousand. So yeah, like also more they weren't then. philosophy professors, so there's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> so they were so she left to do and then I took her job and it was the like the best of all possible jobs. And I was in this 
office. Oh my gosh, Ben, there are so many parallels. I just remembered another one. So we were in this these offices in this building on 11th and Broadway that, as I say, we found out right as she was leaving and I was taking over that Duchamp had had a studio there. And Francis, she had called Francis Nauman. Do you know who Francis Nauman is? Not at all. So Francis Nauman, who is the twin brother of Otto Nauman, but Francis Nauman was... Also, is, no idea who Otto Nauman is. Old master's dealer. Okay. And Francis Nauman, his twin brother... Um, is like a Duchamp expert, like, like legitimately a Duchamp expert, also an art dealer in Dada and sur- Surrealism. Um, anyhow, so she'd gotten in touch with Francis Nauman, and they had done, they had had an interview. I think we were going to publish it in the art newspaper. I don't know if that ever happened. So this was back in 2000. And in that building, so you were talking about your office was formerly a therapist's office. Mm-hmm. In You would go up to our floor, it was the second floor, and you would walk down this hallway, much like in here, and the hallway was lined with therapists of different kinds. And so there were... Like gestalt over here. And oh, my gosh. over there. There were psychotherapists. There were, like, bod- bodies therapists. Like, I don't know, masseuse, body movement, blah, blah. They all, Ben, they all had white noise machines out in the hallway. So the hallway was like a battle of white noise machines. And it was like being in an episode of some outer space. You'd walk down the hallway and you know, it's like all kinds of, and well, you have a kid, so you know the yeah, white yeah, yeah. noise. White noise yeah, for yeah. me means sleep. It makes me sleepy. Right. Yeah, there was, but there was no, you know how the kids, their babies, they like a vacuum cleaner. You're like, how can you sleep? Do you know what I'm saying? But yeah, yeah. this was the, anyway, you'd walk down the hall, but this is, then there was one room. It was the art newspaper. So it'd be like me and our marketing guy, Paul Shanley, Kate Shanley's father. This is all, I'm old. So this is all in the past. But next to us was the flash art offices. And you know who was the U.S. editor of Flash Art at the time? Must be the original, Of course. And do you know what he would do? I hope, Mac, Max, I'm sorry if listen, you don't Max, like that Max I'm saying this. doesn't listen to the pod. He doesn't care. He doesn't listen to the pod. So what he, he would prank call me at my office on the landline because we had landlines. And he was like 12 years old at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were both 12. So it was, we were, we were, you know, exceptionally smart and we had these jobs. And so he would call and he would... <laughs> He would sing Sweet Caroline on the phone. And then and then I would be like, I'd switch to another line and I'd have some like museum director because I was supposed to be the quote eyes and ears of the art newspaper, which I took very seriously. Yeah, as I'm you sure can you imagine. did. You take then things I was very so, seriously. And then I'd get a prank call from from Max. And be, Sweet Caroline. Da, da, da. Then Maurizio Catalan would come in and be writing um, him checks to like be him. You know this whole thing. Yeah, so yeah, of course. There was a lot going on. I wasn't part of it, but I observed it. Have you ever busted? Because now when you're interviewing museum directors, one of them could be Massimiliano. Have you ever busted into a little Sweet Caroline on them? No. But I, what I'm saying is I'd be on the other line with some museum director. Then I'd get you know, a I call understand. on the other line. I'd switch and it was like a, a prank call. Uh, he's a prankster. Still yeah. is. Always has been. Yeah, was that it, was yeah. that your first r- professional writing job? Was that the art newspaper? It was, yeah. It, before that, I was writing these um, exhibition previews for the New York Times. I was a grad school dropout, and I guilt-tripped myself about it for two years. And then I started writing these exhibition previews and reviews of bars. It was a very weird thing. It was like half and half. And I didn't. Would, I didn't know about the bars thing. So, did yeah. you set out wanting to write about art? What kind of were you in a journalism graduate program or an um, art history no, graduate program? No, I actually. Well, I grew up in a small 
town called Waukesha, Wisconsin. And I was living there and I worked at the local library. I shelved books in my spare time. Um, no, I needed the money because I was a teenager. And um, and I became obsessed with the, like, this is going to sound so nerdy. It was nerdy, but I was also cool. You know, I did sneak out at night yeah, and go to cool Milwaukee. Nerd. Sarah's a cool nerd. I was part of the scene. I went to the unicorn. Anyhow, we can talk about Sorry, this I don't punk know about club. And, country. All right. Flyover Country is the best. Well, I won't go into it. So anyhow, so I worked at the library and I became very interested in like the New York school poets like Kenneth Koch and John Ashbery and Frank O'Hara. And I noticed that they often wrote about art, as you know, and, you know, they were very involved in the art scene in New York. And and so I started reading about that. And at the same time, you know, I was writing a lot like I wrote fiction, I wrote poetry, I want, like I wanted to be a writer that much I was sure of. Anyhow, long story short, I ended up going to NYU and I went on a scholarship and I was an English major and then I found out just how good an art history department they had and boy it was an amazing department like who was there well I mean number one for me Robert Rosenblum was there and he was like to me I wanted to be Robert Rosenblum Can you like take classes with him like oh yeah like 101 well you know I yes I mean he gave lectures he see Rosenblum was an 18th century guy so he was very like he had written about David, but he had also been in graduate school with Leo Steinberg, and the two of them would sneak out and go to, like, Rauschenberg's studio. So Rosenblum was one of those people, and I say was, I mean, unfortunately, he died in 2006, way too early. Um, but he was very much always had one foot in history, in art history and one foot in the contemporary world. And I wanted to be him because he would give his 8.30 a.m. lecture on David and then go write an essay, which he actually did. He wrote the essay for the Chapman Brothers' first show at the Gozian <laughs> Gallery on Wooster Street. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. And you showed up to 830 classes. Your college because experience was, was a bit different than mine. Yes. It was, Ben, it was like, because I was obsessed with him. This guy, you would go to his class. He never, he didn't want to really read your writing. He didn't read your writing. And you didn't want him to, because your writing would be like a piece of shit in his eyes. Because it was, you know, none of us. No one should have to shit. read on. Yeah, we didn't want to. We wouldn't, wouldn't want to bother him with our juvenile prose, and so. But you'd go, and he talked like you were reading a book. It was like reading a book, except he was talking with no notes. He'd pace back and forth, and just say the most like beautiful, well constructed sentences about art history. And we would spend three days on one painting. I mean, it was incredible. It was incredible. Boring. No, I'm just kidding. Um. It was not boring. And then he'd go, he, when he went through the syllabus, he at the end, there would be books by like Norman Bryson, this like more theoretical stuff. And and the best thing is like the, how he would damn them with faint praise. He would get to the bottom and he'd say, he would spend like a lot of time talking about certain things up top. Then you get to the bottom and he'd be like, then there are these newer approaches if you're interested to look into that. And that would, be, that would be it. And then that was the Pandora's box for you. So how do you get from there into the offices of the art newspaper? Um, be, well, like I said, like then I had a fellowship to go to the IFA, which is the kind of NYU's grad Institute Street. of Fine Arts yes. on the Upper East Side. Yeah, in the Doris Duke Mansion. Yes, we all know. And I thought I was going to be like this superstar academic or curator. And, and I thought this is going to be so awesome um, they're paying me to go to school. I don't have to have a job anymore. This is going to be the best thing that ever happened to me. And I hated it. 
been, I hated it. Like you hated the other students? No, you hated the no, coursework? No. You hated that building? It's a little bit the building, it's oppressive. I was in the building and I'd be sitting there and I'd be reading a book and I'd look around and I would see everyone underlining things and highlighting them. And like there'd be students that have different pens for like every kind of, and and like I say this, I don't know if like, who cares? I'm gonna go public with this. Like it gave me a form of writer's block that, that even to say it like makes me think it will come back. I had a 12 page paper I was supposed to write for Linda Nochlin's class and I couldn't write it. And it took me two years to understand, to like stop guilt tripping my, oh my God, this really is like a shrink's office. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's this on the shrink's a, couch and it's all oh coming out. Oh my God, up. this is a, it's like, this was the shrink's couch? Yeah. Oh my God, it has like shrink vibes or something. Yeah, you're I've getting upset. real. We love it. All right, let's not, let's not talk about that. Let's not talk about the writer's block. The point is, you know what I really realized that I missed was that all during college, I worked for Jack Shaneman and I loved it and I learned more about art there than I ever, I mean, of course, like I talked about how much I loved, you know, studying with Rosenblum, but I was working for Jack and I, and I always thought of that as well. I'm making money. But the fact of the matter is it was the nineties. It was during the recession. There were three of us there, Jack and his then business partner, Claude Samard, who unfortunately also passed away prematurely in 2014, actually like right around the time I took the art news job. And Claude just was so passionate about art. And as you can imagine, it was the 90s recession, which was much worse than the 2008 recession. I mean, it was much worse. It was like... The, you it was were, a real recession, not a blip. Oh, yeah. Not a blip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you didn't have, there wasn't the same, I'm going to say it, there wasn't the same amount of income inequality. So things didn't just snap back in the art market. So you were sitting around and people like weren't coming in and that people coming in was a thing then, you know, this was before cell phones. Actually, my dad had a cell phone at the time and like he kept it for a long time and then people would make fun of him. They said he had a field phone, like in the army. <laughs> like one of the big thick phones. <laughs> like, hey, Jack, you call me on the field phone. Anyhow, but... Yeah, it was, I missed just sitting in the gallery and we'd talk about the art that, that the gallery was showing. We'd talk about African art because Claude used to go to Africa. He used to go to India. And he, Was this when, when you guys were in Soho? Or was yeah, it already, 560 yeah. Broadway, ab- above Dean and Luluka. Yeah. R.I.P. So, and it was a real experience. And it was just to be around. That's why I have to say, you know, Jerry Saltz has this whole thing about like, you know, we should love art dealers. We should love galleries because they are the ones that with the real passion. I do agree with that. I mean, you can talk about like certain aspects of how things have become corporate, whatever. But I experienced that. I, I have I have no problem with that. And I have a problem with a lot of things that Jerry does say, but that's totally true. That the art, true. art dealers are the ones that are a putting like themselves and their money on the line, yeah. putting the door every day. Um free to the public the yes. most art you can you can see for zero money in the world Absolutely. is going to galleries in a city like new york city uh and most of them that i've met i spend a lot of time with them are actually doing it for the love first of all and are super passionate about the work they yes. show i mean I the ones that are also agree. agile and smart business people can make a decent living at it especially yes. over the past 15 years or so but i don't think that should blind us to the fact that they're true art lovers and to speak to a dealer about an artist that they represent and are passionate about is yes. no better way to become educated about that artist yeah work. absolutely like they're not car salesmen um, yeah so listen jerry's you know even a stop clock is right a couple times a day and yeah. jerry's right on this one but you know what ben you probably go to more 
like young galleries at this point than I do. And when I, but when less I say less and less, unfortunately. Okay. But when I say like young galleries, I don't mean like galleries run by 20 somethings, although that's part of it, but I mean recently opened galleries. That's, that's what I mean. Like in the fa- past, like five, like I don't know if that's true. Like I go to the JTTs of the world and the 47 yeah. canals. Well, I think that still counts because I, I was just going to ask you a question, which is, you know, Alan surveys on Twitter with his whole grow or go thing. Like, is that, is that true? Is like, is, is, will these galleries, okay, let me. The, the grow part in order to be successful and your artist to be successful, meaning yeah. to kind of continue to be part of the public discourse, yes. But you don't see, if you look back through the history of the, the little micro recessions we've had over yeah. the past 15 years, yeah. not a lot of galleries have actually have closed, gone. right? <laughs> They're all still there. I'm not sure who buys the art, I'm not sure how they stay in business, yeah. but they they seem to still have a functioning business, right? The, the doors yeah. are still, they might change locations. Yeah. Um, but you've you've seen a definite disparity uh, between the very successful or even moderately successful galleries and the ones that just stay at the same level. Right. But the ones that stay right. there are still there. I don't want to like call yeah. out anyone by name. That feels unfair. But yeah, yeah. Um, like they're still on Seesaw. You're like, yeah. oh, they're still open? Amazing. Yeah. No, I guess what I'm wondering is like, is the premise, is, is there something outdated about the premise that everyone wants to stay? In other words, is there, and we, you know, Again, maybe we should have. Maybe we should call someone up, like Alex Shulan or whatever. You, he's probably he's got he's got a bad stomach bug. Too right bad now. Nate's not here. But the idea of like, okay, maybe some of these people who are running these galleries are like, yeah, I, you know what, I'll do it for a few years and then maybe I won't be doing it anymore. I maybe, mean, it's a great form of graduate school, right? Yeah, maybe we overemphasize the whole like grow or go like hey you didn't grow but hey maybe i'm maybe i'm not planning but if that, on doing but if that, this if that premise were true i wouldn't see i would see many more going yeah 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 no i get it this is i we, we kind of went down a cul-de-sac yeah what what did you want to talk about i want to know about your history in the art world because uh, i realize it's you've been professionally employed yes. in arts journalism for 23 years or something like that if i did the math correct i'm more of a humanities guy so That's i want to know true. a little bit about your trajectory we've gotten the early part yeah you're in graduate school you realize that um you know yes you just don't want to deal with Miss Nochlin, uh any longer. Um, she wasn't the problem. I understand. She that. was fascinating. I, was being flippant. I mean, um, okay. You know. I'm going. I'm going to take us out of here. I'm going to take us right, right, right back not, to you. We're, I want to hear about talk you. Because okay. uh, so, even though I did, so you leave so graduate Linda school, Nochlin's you get a, you get a job at, at yes. the art newspaper. Yes, yes, and it was. Asmayan was calling. He's he's making prank yeah. calls. You're meeting people, I presume. Like yes, you Although, met him. Who else? Like that is still in the world in your life. You, you know, know what I wasn't doing as much as, and I'm just going to make an assumption here that he was going to more like social things than I was, and I I sometimes regret that um, because I didn't do. I didn't like hang out with artists. Where were you living in like 2001? In the city or in Brooklyn? I was living in Brooklyn in Prospect Heights on Washington, like Washington, Sterling and Washington. Have you always lived different. in Brooklyn? Um, no, I had just moved there from Manhattan. I lived in Manhattan until then. And how long were you there at the art newspaper? Um, I was there until I think 2004. Yeah. And then I was very briefly worked for Flash Art in Milan. And then I came back. And I was on the team that started artinfo.com, which some old people might remember. I mean, I remember that, I think. <laughs> who, who, who funded artinfo.com? Are, are you, you're forcing me to talk about Louise McBain Oh, now? yes, I am. It was a project of Louise McBain who, made, who, who acquired these legacy, not legacy, I mean, you know, listen, 
Art News is now owned by Jay Penske, who actually acquires legacy publications like Art News, Art in America, Art News founded in 1902, Art in America founded 1912 or 13, um, you know, Rolling Stone founded in 1966, you know, this kind Variety, of variety. founded in 1905, exactly. Women's Wear Daily 1910, exactly. and et cetera, so, et cetera. So what Louise, so that's wrong. She didn't really acquire, she acquired, let's say, existing publications, and the two main publications she acquired were Art and Auction magazine, which started in 1979. And and actually, there's a whole interesting history about that was when Christie's first opened in New York. And there was a whole push to have a magazine that 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 presented both art and its market in a sophisticated way. So, art, you know, Art and Auction, you know, born in 1979, and Modern Painters, which was founded by Peter Fuller in London, I want to say in the late 80s, but I could be wrong about that. I don't know enough. Um, and so she acquired these two magazines, one very much a respected um, publication about the art market, the other one mainly focused on art criticism, but very much from a London perspective, they were based there. She moved the headquarters of Modern Painters to New York. Um, I don't know if either magazine exists anymore. I don't know. I haven't seen issues of either of them in a very long time. Zero idea. Because I mean, one of the reasons I'm asking, is I'm interested in the yeah. art media landscape, okay. both of the, the the most recent past. I mean, and, I could and talk now. your era. I we could talk That's for three hours. I don't. I, I, don't, I don't have three hours. To, I have a flight yeah. to catch, but uh, yeah, yeah. I want a little bit of time. And what was it like? I, working? I have a kid to get back. I have a child too. Um. Oh, really? Yeah. Weird. So. Um, <laughs> So, so yes, so, so she had acquired these magazines and then the idea was to start a website that would be, um, I mean, and this I'll, is 2003, this is 2004 around. 2005. So this is yeah. like the heyday of Gawker, of mm-hmm. kind of online publications, yes. early days of Eater, yes. uh, Gothamist. Yes. I'm thinking of New York specific things, but still I think with a global yes. reach. But you're right. Gawker started in 2002 or three. So it's kind of the professionalization of the blog mm-hmm. era online in terms of absolutely. online native media, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and what was the remit of, of you guys? Well, so here's the thing I want to say is like, I say, oh, I don't know if those magazines exist anymore. And, uh, you know, Art Info is not around anymore. And... I should say Ben Davis um, at Artnet has written about this extensively. So if you want to know the history of the Louise McBain empire, he wrote a really great piece on it a few years ago um, because he was also he also worked there. I'm not sure how many of our listeners know how to read it, but that's good to okay, know. Okay, good. Well, those of you who are literate can pursue that. So, um, so the point is, I'm going to say two things before I talk about that, which is Art Info was a great idea. I'm not sure anyone realized how great an idea it was at the time because this kind of gawker, like you're saying, this kind of round-the-clock, you know, blog sphere or whatever that was being born, there was n- there was really nothing or very little existed around art and even less about news about art. There were blogs. I mean, there was Tyler Green had started, I think, and he was, everyone read Tyler Green's blog I, I don't even know if it was called modern art yeah, it was notes called modern then. art notes. yeah so there were a few um but no one was really doing like round the clock news you know and and the closest there was was like walter robinson's artnet which had actually started in 1996 like artnet was born with kind of the internet yep right yep. um but walter wasn't as focused on news he was more focused on sort of um commentary I would say it was much more focused on criticism and commentary. Mm-hmm. So what art art 
Info's remit was to really be like a 24-hour like news channel. Um, and it was to cover everything. It was to have some criticism, the social market aspect, stuff. market stuff, kind of, yes. you know, soup to nuts yes, of exactly. what we call the art world. Exactly. And and for various reasons I won't go into at the time, but it had to do with like a breakup and a whole, like I was at a point in my life where I just wanted to, whatever I was doing, I was going to do it fully and completely and like kind of take no prisoners, you know? And so I went into working for Art Info and I was like, I don't care if this thing has the lamest name in the world. Like, because really, I mean, let's be honest, Art Info. I mean, but it sums it up. Okay. I don't know. I've thought it was like the least sexy name in the world. Anyhow, so, but I just wanted to like own that space, which Art Info actually eventually did. It was, and turned out being kind of a little bit after I left, but, um, but yeah, and it was a round-the-clock like news thing. And I would cover the auctions, and I would go back to the office, and I would write until like midnight, and then I would post it, you know. And I was doing things like if I don't, if I didn't know who someone was, this actually happened. If I didn't know who someone was, and that person was sitting with the McGrabies, I would go on Patrick McMullen and look up the McGrabies until I found this guy. Then I would find his name. Then I would cross-check it against whatever was available. Then and I would out the person who bought it right and so i was very much like in that game you know and i loved it yeah, I, rem- I remember this inquisitive I, I think it. it was around when i first met you i remember yeah. this inquisitive drill down sarah and and i just to jump forward ben because we don't have all the time in the world like i think back about that time and i i remember it was me and Lindsay pollock you know and she was at bloomberg and i was at art info actually she was at first at the sun the New York Sun, which was a newspaper that died. R.I.P. Yeah. And um, and I sometimes look back at that, how that started this whole thing of like around news. You know, I mean, of course, like in the general news atmosphere, this has happened. And that was pre-Twitter and that was pre-whatever. But I don't know. Well, but also... You- was it wasn't necessarily the best thing in the world. But it was, the begin- you know? it was the beginning of seeing aspects of the art market covered on the business pages of the New York Times and the journal as opposed to just in the art section, right? It's kind of around That's the same... That's where you're era. wrong. No? Okay. That's where you're wrong. That That's, had been I'm happening... I'm wrong in many places. But that had been happening... If you, if you go on Google, which... You know, I'm assuming your listeners, yeah, can, they, yeah, know yeah, yeah, they know what Google they, is. They, okay, good. So you go on Google, this website, Google, and you look up Geraldine Norman. Okay, listeners, that's all you have to do. Look up Geraldine Norman. She started something in, God, it was maybe in the late 60s um, with the Times in London. It was like the first time that really the art market was covered journalistically. And that was the beginning of the Times Sotheby's Index. And please stop me. Because we will go down. Okay, well, we won't go down that okay, thing. But this, but, so I was wrong about the consequence of business person, and, and journalism as it relates to the art market. Yeah. But so you and Lindsay are covering it. You guys yeah. are doing like deep dives, the figuring out who people are. The difference is the speed. The yeah, speed. It's like every day there was new news about, you know, who had bought what or, you know, whatever was going on. And, um, and you know, it was a lot of fun. It was like, it was so stupid though, Ben. It would be like me and Lindsay would be like competing for which one of us could f- run the first item on Zach Foyer opening in Chelsea. And I'm, I look back and I'm like, should I have spent an entire day in that modality? I'm not, I don't know. I mean, was that if, a you're, good if, use you're, gonna, of if my you're gonna time? do it, you gotta do it the best that you possibly no, can, right. right? I have a vivid memory. I have a vivid memory of whoever was the editor at the time 
It wasn't Andrew Goldstein because Andrew would have run this thing. And it wasn't, it was someone who was working with Arden Auction. I don't know, I can't remember, but it was someone who was there and then gone. It wasn't Ben Giannacchio because he was there. But I went up to whoever it was and I said, listen, I have the most amazing story. We got to run this story. Jeffrey Deitch is going to be the next director of LA Mocha. And the person was like, that, that sounds kind of, you know, I'm not, I can't, don't remember the exact circumstance, but it was like, you could understand how someone would be like, that sounds improbable. That sounds Sarah. thinly sourced at best. Yeah. And I was like, well, listen, I don't have the best sourcing on it. I have like, um, you know, like one person. <laughs> Someone's <laughs> you know? housekeeper in LA. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was better than that. It was someone good. Um, but probably the reasonable choice. They made the reasonable choice. Like, you know, we probably shouldn't run that. Did you, did you? And I wanted to, I was so. I mean, did you put down your, did you I was, fight? Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I also, I was like, listen to reason, Sarah. If you put this out there and it's rubbish, it's pretty ridiculous and stupid rubbish. But like, then it happened. And I was so mad. Well, speak, speaking of like dealing with an editor that wants something more sourced, when did you begin to make the transition from oh, yeah. um, being an arts journalist to being an editor? Yeah, so then I went from Art Info to the New York Observer. Um, was this Jared Kushner's New York Observer? Yes. But to me, it was Elizabeth Spires' New York Observer. Oh, well, she's the shit. Yeah. She was the editor at the time. And and also my my friend Christian Lorenzen had worked there and they were doing really cool stuff. And you started something really cool. I mean, talking about a 24-hour yeah. thing, it was called The Gallerist. Yes. Am I remembering that correctly? it was just correctly? called Gallerist and it was actually called Gallerist NYC because someone had like taken the word gallerist and used it. And the reason why I wanted to call it Gallerist is because I think it's the weirdest neologism and I tracked I, I track down what I thought was maybe the first use of it or the, the first like explained use of it, which was in a 2004 profile that Peter Sheldahl wrote of Marion Goodman. He made a point of saying, she's not a dealer. She's a gallerist. Well, I mean, if it's coming from St. Peter, like I feel like that's like an okay neoism, right? It is. But I also wanted it to be a bit tongue in cheek. Like, don't all you dealers want to be known as gallerists? I mean, I'm not sure if that's totally true. I mean, I think some art dealers I, I are happy to, like, right. Larry Kugosian would definitely call himself an art dealer. That's right. And, peop, you know, I was having a conversation with someone about a, a dealer we both know. And someone was like, yeah, you should talk to him. It was some article I was thinking about writing or signing. And they're like, you should talk to him. He's really transactional. I was that's like, such an American term. Americans yeah. love the phrase transaction. Yeah. So we transacting really transactional or what? Yeah. And I was just like, this is so, I don't know that people would say that in the art world in 2000. Five, you know, it would have seemed like a weird thing to say. It would have seemed dark. I would have, I would have yeah. looked askance at someone who's like, "Oh, they're transactional." Yeah. Um, Especially so, during your curator days. Well, definitely during my curator yeah. days, my short lived, but you know, yes. I was a sh- bright shining star that burned out. Um, yes, so we started Gallerist, and you know, we're obviously you maybe you'll put this in at some point, but Nate is not here because no, no, he I, has I something say, more start, fancy to do. Yeah, well, Nate's flying right now cross-country, probably yes. coach knowing poor Nate, to Los <laughs> Angeles where he's uh, very excited to be attending the Oscars party of his publication, The Vanity yes. Fair magazine. So he's going to be on the ground doing some reporting. I'm sure at, yes. just before this interview, yes. uh, we will we will discuss his time in LA. Yes, and um, the funny thing about Nate, and I would say this if you were here because I've joked with him about this, and we're not going to name names. It wouldn't mean anything anyhow, but Nate was the like... Um, I can't remember what he was called at the time, like so, like not gossip reporter, but more like 
social or like society reporter like he basically nightlife reporter let's call it that so he would like go out and then write a column about like being out and they were always really like lively and funny um like I remember he wrote one about like cracked cell phones it was the funniest thing I mean people should look this up it was very funny thing on the observer he wrote about cracked cell phones and I remember when I was there was like 2011 or 12 and I said hey we should bring Nate to Art Basel Miami and I'm not going to name who it was but like another person on the staff was like like that's the worst thing in the you know don't do that he'll like I think they use they use the phrase shit the bed <laughs> But maybe take that out. But anyhow, they had their doubts that Nate would do well in that environment. And and I was like, I don't know. I, I think he's kind of made for it. Like you built, know, uh, He was built for, for yeah. Art Basel Miami Beach, yeah. if anyone ever was. I was like, did, I think he would thrive in, in the art world. And I was kind of like thinking like, I'm past the point where I, really, I want to be out till four in the morning. And But I was like, Nate would love that. Like, why not? You know, he could, there's so many parties there. He's a party reporter. Anyhow, he didn't go down like when he was at the Observer or maybe it was after I left he did, but it was a waste that we didn't just bring him full on to the staff of Gallerist. But you guys really tried to be like a constantly updated throughout the day, um, you know, kind of hub for our world, New York specific, but I'd say global and reach, um, uh, news and information. And I thought, like, I miss it. I thought it was great. I thought it was yes. great. It was and like right in my wheelhouse. If and who we, else did you bring in? You had a bunch of, of talented well, was, young writers. Yeah, I mean, Dan DeRay was great. He's working um, still in the art field. Um, I think he works for Adam. Yep. Yeah, and and Michael Miller, amazing. Although his byline and still is M H Miller, and he went on to T Magazine. He actually came over to Art News. I poached him for Art News, and I also poached Andrew Russeth, who was with me at Art News until he moved to Seoul, Korea, um, where he is now. Um, his his wife has a job at the he was Times one of the, Bureau He was there. one of the first ever uh, guests on Notre Is that Bennett. right? Yeah, yeah, because we oh, wanted to get the Asian-based awesome. Asian yeah, no, perspectives. Yeah, no, Andrew's great. Uh, and he likes food almost as much as Nate and I do, yeah, with a specific focus on the dessert arts. You, you know, what's interesting, just as an aside, like... Andrew was one of the few people who I think saw every show in New York. I mean, now I really do think the Manhattan Art Review guy makes that effort. Jerry claims to make to, that he still does it. I mean, I don't know how anyone over the age of 45 can do that. Yeah, I don't know who has the... For the, various the, reasons, like, but... The, just the time or the energy or the, the honestly, the... But like, Andrew the would ride his bike around and go to every show. But just the, the one thing I would say about Gallerist is like, just to your point, is I had this experience, I think it was in like 2013, where I was standing on the balcony, I think it was like the balcony of the Satai, there was some party. You were there, actually. It was a collector's party. Oh, a, a Marie, Russian collector, Marie, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We can take that out. But anyhow, um, I was standing on the balcony and it was just me and there was this young Chinese gentleman who was standing out there and and he said, what do you do? And I said, um, I'm the culture editor at the New York Observer. And he kind of shook his head at me like, I, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. And then I was like, a uh, gallerist? And he was like, gallerist. I look at it every day. I, th- I think it was a young Chinese collector who went on to found a museum and maybe has been outed as oh working as God. an advisor uh, on the side. I'm pretty certain I, I remember him being there. It might have been him. It might have been I feel him. Pretty, oh I, I feel pretty sure that I have a clear have memory of him. you guys talking anyway. Might have been him. I don't remember, but it might have been. I feel so, like 80% certain. Okay. But anyhow, that to me, that was just like, wow, we made something that transcended its local. 
But actually, Ben, I, that just brings up a question which I will ask you, which I think like might be an interesting question for your listeners. It occurs to me that New York is still the center of the art world, right? If we had to say, if we were forced, if there was a gun 100%, to our head, there's no, we would say... Don't even need a gun. Okay. It's, it's For better or worse, it's the center of the commercial art world. And so I think that's why we were able to do it, is we were just like, we're going to embrace the fact that we're pretty much just reporting on New York, but we are operating assumption is that we're the center of the, center of the art world, also in like a kind of a cocky way. Like, we're the center of the art world. Well, it is the greatest city yeah. in the world, too. Sure, it's I, also the greatest city in the world, TM. Um, yeah. But I think also, but I think also, what happens here in the art world in the art market is extrapolated. Like it, it's transferable. Like it's yeah. It's everything, that's what I know. mean. It's a microcosm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah. So you can or a macrocosm maybe or whatever. Yeah. It's 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 sure. So so we could we could kind of say that, and that's what made it great. Is we we had this. It was like a playground. It was like New York was like a playground that we're reporting on this like or a sandbox. The art world as sandbox. And just, how is how is your audience numbers? Did you guys get a lot of other than kind of anecdotal people in the you wild? You know what? I'm gonna be honest with you, Ben. They weren't that great. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that's what well, that that comes Our from. That, that numbers- comes to my point because I think there's there's been attempts by you uh, and others. The kind of the the current art net I think is trying. Um, but they get good numbers uh, to be a center hub. Yeah, but it's almost like there isn't enough. And we news get good and, numbers. Yeah, now well, you do. I mean, we do, but but like. If if I were to like if Noah Schachtman from Rolling Stone were in the room and I was like Noah we get awesome numbers he'd be like what are they and I'd be like uh maybe I'll tell you later I, I don't really know you know like because yeah, we don't get those kinds of not, we, yeah but like, also what's the net what, what what's the net worth and you know it's all about the type of viewers yes. you're getting and type of eyeballs and what their spending power is as it translates to advertisers I would think. Well, there's that, but there's also like sheer like traffic. So that's the, I think that's sort of the quandary we're all in is like, you know, who's your reader, right? Like you want to make something that is sophisticated enough that people like yourself will appreciate it. But you also have to either have things that you you have to present that in a way that is open to, let's say, the aspirational reader, like someone who wants to feel like they're part of it. And or Welcome you, to the audience this, po- this podcast. Right, exactly. And or you have, you know, things, and I would say and, and you have things that are accessible to an audience who, that is, you know, learning about art, right? Mm-hmm. So I think we all have to do that to a certain extent. But if you had told us that at Gallerist, we would have like, I don't know, we, would, we wouldn't have done it. Your, your audience in your minds we and were, desires we were, were the people that are pure. around the same dinner tables oh, at gallery dinners. absolutely. That's all we care. We're like, who's your audience? Gavin Brown. You know? I think one of us actually said that. And, hi, and hi, Gavin. I, and I'm sure, I'm sure someone like, um, and Gavin, don't get a big head about that. Because, anyhow. Um, but yes, you, yes, it was Gavin Brown. And so, but they, but if you, if you said that to like an audience, per, like someone at, you know, like the very, very excellent people we have working at PMC who look at audience, they'd be like, number one, who is that? Number two, this is the weirdest thing I've ever, like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. it would have just been, the, this is not, this is the opposite of Because you guys were all, I mean, think about the names you listed, you're all kind of consummate insiders and still, yes. in, in some ways, yes. some of those names still yes. are. And here's the thing, for people who missed Gallerist, here, here's the thing, like you can't go to Art News like we just said, founded in 1902. You can't go to a legacy publication and say, fuck it. Now we're just gonna like, like do this irreverent, like, you know, 
like we'll do a post. I mean, Michael used to do posts. Like one of the funniest things we did was the Coons countdown. Do you remember that? No. Where, where Michael just did all these posts, these hilarious posts, counting down to when the Whitney's Coons show opened. And it was just amazing. They were so funny. I was showing them to someone on my staff and I was like, yeah, we would just do, we would just decide to do this and just do it because we had nothing, we had no weight of a legacy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, we hadn't won a national magazine award, which Art News is probably the only art publication that has, you know, so you have to factor that in. And when did you, did Galleries close, excuse me, um, yeah, Galleries close after you left for your current role? Yeah, it, 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 after I left. Yeah, it, it definitely kept going for a while. And they look, I mean, they still have culture. They still have culture coverage. Like the Observer still exists. It, it doesn't exist as a physical, you know, newspaper, but they still it exists in some form. In some form, but a yeah. shell of what it was. No well, disrespect you know, to I, there. I don't if know I you. said that, it would just be like some former person who like Okay, well, I'll say that. that. It doesn't exist in the way fine, that the Observer pre and even during Kushner yeah. exists when it was like a very important kind of uh, media I mean, publication. if you want to read, again, only to the readers who are literate, uh, the listeners, sorry, only to the listeners who um, are able to read. If you If you want to read something really funny... Read Christian Lorenzen's piece on Anthony Weider. Oh, my God. Okay. You I'm remember move... this guy ran yeah, for mayor? Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean he's got the, he had the name for it. So, listeners, just enter into Remember Google. You just put in Christian Lorenzen, Anthony Weiner, and you're welcome. Um, okay. So you, But you then get from that, you, you hopscotch or springboard into a huge job and one that you still hold like eight years later, I think, yeah. or something. I mean, it's just crazy in any industry that you... So, so where do yeah. you go and what's your, what's your current job title? My current job title is Editor-in-Chief of Art News and Art in America. Um, yes, and that hopefully is correct there. You're looking at it. Yes. Um, and so I oversee... You know, Art News in America and Art in America, there's been a lot of misunderstanding about the trajectory of the two magazines. And I'll just quickly, you know, very quickly say that, um, you know, we we merged with Art in America. I mean, obviously remained separate publications, but the two companies merged in 2015. Um, and then later that year, we basically both um, were under the brand publications so we're owned by peter brandt and then in 2019 we were acquired by pmc um which now also owns art forum but art forum is you know it just so happens that we were acquired as a group of two magazines they were acquired as a single magazine so you know i've people have been like a couple of people have asked me oh do so like are you in charge of art forum now no i'm not in charge of art forum um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm with art news in art America. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't want to get into the weeds on that. I am interested though, but the, the business side of all the magazines is run by, by together by, by someone, Do, by a group um, like the, like the, the publishing wing, I you know, guess I'm call not it. really involved in the business side. I mean, they have a publisher. We have a publisher. Okay. Two so separate, separate publishers. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, so eight years, that's a tremendous amount of time in this era of media and anything, especially art media, to yes. stay to stay there and to keep these concerns going through, I guess, through two ownership groups now. Mm-hmm. Um, what's that experience been like? Like as a manager, like you have a lot of people that report to you, I would expect. 
I mean, you know, going through different owners, I mean, without going into too much detail, like working for Louise McBain, like was weirder than anything I experienced at Art News. You know, we we started out, then at least my tenure there started. I mean, here's the thing about Art News, okay? Art News, Milton Estero was editor-in-chief and publisher and basically owner from 1972 to 2014. So it was a magazine that really had been like untouched in terms of the modern media landscape. They didn't have much of a website to speak of. It was like, I mean, our, our traffic basically tripled the first year I was there because it had nowhere to go but up in a way, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and so, so it was really like in this bubble of, and Milton was like in many ways a really amazing owner because he kept this thing steady through huge changes, you know, huge changes in the media landscape. Um, then it was acquired by, you know, a group of investors. Then it went to Peter Brandt. And then it was acquired by by Jay Penske's company. And and look, you know, what I will say is um, to all the people who, and this is not me defending corporate America, like that's not really my profile, but but to all the people who are like, oh, you know, I don't even know if these people exist, but who are like, oh, you know, the, these art magazines are now owned by the man or wh- whatever people would say. Did, does anyone use that anymore? The I man? Think, I don't think so. I don't so. think it's except, it, like it would have to be. That's been much of yeah, a Yeah, that's, it doesn't parlance. exist. Anyhow, but if, if the equivalent of the man. Here, here's the establishment. What, yeah, here's what I would say to them. We have an in-house legal department. So, like, you cannot publish, you cannot publish investigative stories, stories that really take on a company unless you have legal, right? And 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 like there were times when we didn't have that. And so I couldn't as an editor stick my neck out. My, you know, whoever was writing for me couldn't stick their neck out because there's couldn't, right? I there's mean, no it, one to it, respond to the letter. You get like, a nasty I'm letter. Sure, you need someone to respond yeah, to Yeah, I mean, I'm sure under previous owners, we could have found a way to get something reviewed by legal. But to have things like an, just in-house, like the person that your lawyer's literally just on a different floor, it just opens up the possibilities of what you can do within journalism. You know, that's what I would say. And just to, to have like a, a steady ship is just allows you the freedom to grow what you're doing. So that that's what I would say. From your beginning, so eight years ago and now, what are the types of stories that have changed in terms of what gets the most eyeballs and people talking? Or has it remained consistent? I mean, you can probably guess that um, stories that have, you know, major artists in them or stories that, you know, talk about the big, big numbers. You know, I mean, I'll give you a perfect example. And I'm not going to talk, you know what, I'm not going to talk about the stuff that does super well. And then you're like, oh, you know, we picked that up from another publication. And it was about some bizarre archaeological artifact that that like looked like a penis, because that's true. That's that's the stuff as well. Yeah, that does exceptionally well. um, Anyhow, but the but to to my great pleasure, um. So we had we we had a source. We we as should be evident by the timing of our piece, we did hear somewhat in advance about the Adam Weinberg um Scott Rothkopf transition, 
which happened yesterday. Was that yesterday? No, the 8th, Wednesday. Oh, it was Wednesday. It was Wednesday. God, I mean, time just... International but, Women's Day. That's why it sticks that's out in my right. head. Yeah, well, we could talk about that. But so, you know, that happened on Wednesday. And our piece literally came out, I think it was 10 minutes after the Times. So it was the Times and then us, which, as you can imagine, I was like breathing fire because the Times. <laughs> I mean, a, a step up, up, a step up from the day of trying to beat someone to the Jack Foyer, Zach Foyer uh, relocation yeah. news. Yeah, no, true, too true. Um, but you know, my you know two r- people on my staff, you know, Alex Greenberger and Max Duran, they really, you know, they worked that, they put it online, and that was, you know, that then that immediately went to our best read stories because the, and that makes me feel good because that's that's the important stuff, that's the important reporting, and and also that means that people were passing it around both on social media right. and texting it to their friends group and they're texting right. the link to your story and I think that's why and then people click on it. And exactly, I think, you know, it's what Jonah Parent exactly. used to call the and I think it's just changed, but twenty years ago he called the board at work net, uh, uh, kind of uh, network the things of they're just passed around. People are sitting at their desk and that's yes. what he was trying to. And this is pretty Buzzfeed. This is when he was like back at IBM. Yes, but the board at work um, uh, eyeballs uh, and I think we see that now with like group chats and I think that's what yeah. people are like. Oh, send this around. This is interesting. Exactly. And that that one was passed around pretty quickly. And I do something that I don't generally do, which is like, I took a screenshot and put it on my Instagram. I don't do a whole lot of that. Maybe I should do more. But I'd rather see your kid, but go for it. <laughs> but for me, it was just like, okay, this is a big story. Like, I'm going to go ahead and like, and celebrate my staff who really jumped on it, you know, by putting it up and getting it out there. Okay, enough of serious stuff. Let's get into the gossip. Oh, gossip. All right. Is that, um, th- this is like a mandatory part of this podcast? No, mandatory part but I just know okay. that I haven't been able to make it downtown to any of these recent talks. I know there's ones with the guy from the Manhattan oh, Art Review gosh, and Dean talks. Kissick. Uh, and then Dean had one with, who did he have? Jason uh, Farrago. Jason Farrago that from the New terrific. York Times. That was um, I didn't make it. What was it like? What was it about? Well, it's too bad Nate isn't here. I heard he was. He well, he, he got he got shut out. He couldn't get right. in the door because oh, it was so couldn't? popular. Yes, we were looking forward to this your giving us incre- a little this reportage. Is an, this is an incredible thing. Let's just let's just take a minute to congratulate Matt Morevic because he's the one who's making this thing happen, yeah. right? Matt and Eleanor, yep, his wife, yep, um, and they are working with this collection, the Peric Collection. Is that how you say his name? The Peric Collection. I believe it's the Peric Collection. Yes. Who is actually there? This first time top two hundred list, top two hundred collectors list, which we publish. Um, you know, we got a sense of like how um, ambitiously this collection is growing, and then like out of nowhere, they started this talk series, and like many people. I saw that it existed on like, you know, Dean Kissick's some one of his social media, you know, uh, incarnations. I saw it there and I was like, huh, this sounds interesting. But Ben, never in a million years would I think that a talk with an art critic would have a standing room only crowd. I was just like, when I went there for the one, the Manhattan Art Review guy, I was like, what the hell I'm, is I'm, this? I'm fascinated by that guy. I don't know him. Uh, I just He's actually... interesting. He's interesting. I, you know, you're not going to, when are you putting this up? Next week? Probably next Monday after oh, Nick gets back. Oh, because I was going to, I've met with him. I've, like, we've had drinks. I, you know, he, he's smart. I like what he does. Yeah. I, I don't always. I don't. I, I don't know with. I don't go with. I don't know. You but know. he's he's writing some of the more serious, but readable he's putting in some around. effort, yeah. and you have to admire that. Yeah, yeah. He's also going to see a hell of a lot of shows. Way more shows than I see. You know? Like it's my job. 
but yes, so he, so he, um, and, and it was just him and Dean, like just talking uh, at a, at a table. And there were all these people just wrapped. And I was like, who, you know, who is here? At one point, Ben, because as you're probably going to ask, like, yes, I interrupted their talk because it was something like something they said just struck me as like, how can you say that? I don't remember what it was, but I remember you came from that event to a dinner we were both attending and you had to get off your chest that you had just, you know, you just had a moment. That's right. That's right. I went to the, yes, that dinner we were at. Um, Actually, I do have some hilarious gossip that happened. Not gossip, but funny stories from L.A. So we can talk about that, too. But in the mean- that we get about like five, five to six minutes left, okay. I think. So we can get in like maybe one of those that yeah. I think is funny. But so those talks, like I th- I think it's amazing. Um, they Next week, they, they have um, someone coming up, a woman critic. Um, I can't remember now, but I can look it up. I've yet to, I've yet to make it to one, and I hope that I'll be in town. You for the really, next one. yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm super into try. it. I'm super into it. Do you know? And I'm gonna just go on the record with this because I really want to do this. So I'm gonna put some pressure on them. So I want to do their talk, and and I was like, oh, you know, I was texting with Dean, and I'm like, well, who could I, you know, interview or whatever? And like we were tossing some names back and forth, and then I wrote to Matt, and I said. I want to interview Dean. I want to inter- like I want to switch it around and interview Dean. He's a good interviewee. I've yeah. done it. Yeah. Oh, was he on the pod? Yeah, of course. I can't okay. Have well, Dean this would be a different pod. conversation. No. Well, you're much smarter than this Nate would, and I, so it would definitely whatever. be a different conversation. Well, I guess we'd have to see. much more. Maybe not smart. Much more serious minded. Maybe we would have to put a sign on the door of like, you know what I always call that place? It's PJ Burn, right? Is that what it's called? I have no PJ? idea. I always call it JJ Byrne. Do you know why? That is a playground in Park Slope. That's where I'm at, Ben. <laughs> I love that we've known each other for so long, and now we're both like parents. Yeah, Park and like... Slope parents out there, you know JJ Byrne, but do you know PJ Burns, the bar on the at the, at the seaport? It's at the seaport. How yeah. weird. Well, I look forward to you. Doing it's really one. cool. We and I was going to say maybe we should, we should put a sign on the door. That would be something that only people who read would know and then only admit those people. And I can think of two questions. Go. One is, do you, and people couldn't look at their phones. One is, do you know what a Pyrrhic victory is? Two, who was James Boswell? If they can answer both of those questions, you're fucking in the door. Uh, who is James Boswell? All right, never mind. Pyrrhic victory, that one I got. But All right, too, good. Anyhow. I guess I'm not coming in. But 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 Jason Farrago, who was awesome, like I, I was one I only say this because at the end of his talk, like people were asking questions and he kind of like there was this when I told him I would not write about him in art news, but I think I can talk this about is it. Totally legit. This is this is not art news. Um he said something to the effect of like he hopes people not that he hopes, but you know, wouldn't it be nice if people read? If people read more. And when you hear Jason talking, it's a bit like Rosenblum. This takes us back to the full circle. Like Jason can extemporaneously be extremely articulate and and speak in a way that is like a highly, you know, like at the beginning of his talk, he referred to, you know, Dean asked him to like, oh, when did you become an art critic? And he was like, oh, there was no like Damascene conversion. And I was kind of wow. like, who among us <laughs> knows what that is? But because, you know, I don't know, do people even like some get it, you know, yeah, it's either church or art history, you're going to get that from so. Um, but yeah. So, but it, it was it was a great talk, and both of the talks were were really great. Okay, we have time for one 
quick anecdote about Los Angeles. Before we oh, yeah. I, I, I thought you would find this funny. You guys already did your whole L.A. thing. But I was looking back at my notes on my iPhone from L.A. Mm-hmm. And they say, <laughs> they say like, Jane, it was like Terrell, blue eye, Dr. Barbara Sturm, the best booth, light treatment, Metropolis, Fritz Lang, Giovanni <laughs> Intra, cashing checks and snapping necks, city of courts, Whistler Peacock Room, but make it Malibu, art and money. I work for Anthony Kiedis. Like, this is literally my notes here. Trauma Zone, Adam Curtis, oligarchy of U.S. Capitol, parking problems and shuttle problems. That I like, I literally have an iPhone. I and mean, it's concrete poetry right there. So I'm just going to say. But maybe Barbara Sturm was the best booth. That was the best booth. And I can talk about it for ages. Has why anyone that's the spoken best about that? It, it was incredible. I, I am going to write about it. So listeners. Please read that, it, you know, and if you have to go to a literacy program, please do. But, but I'm just going to say the last thing, last thing I'm going to say, we're probably out of time, but I was in the back seat of like an, of a car, like an Uber. We thought it was an Uber, but it turned out that art event we had just been at had assigned someone to drive us, someone who worked for them. And I was in the back seat with someone we both know. And we were having a conversation where I, at least, was naming names. I was like naming names all over the place. And I was, because it's someone I'm you're close think, to. And it's an it's actual an Uber friend. Driver. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then this other person, like who is a very sensible person, um, said, Oh, driver. <laughs> driver, like, what is, are you involved in the art world at all? And then she kind of like gives me a look like, Sarah, what the fuck? And the driver turns around, and this was the most LA thing in the world. She was like, No, I actually work for Anthony Kiedis. <laughs> I was like, that's a fucking most LA thing that happened to me this week. But anyhow, that's, yeah. All right. Under the bridge downtown. Yes. This is No Day Bene. We're out. Sarah, thank you so much for the thank time. Thank you. 